0: With the completion of the 2021 ISACA Frost & Sullivan Survey, the cybersecurity landscape, we thought it made sense to get the perspective of the two architects of the annual study, Steven Sim, President, ISACA Singapore Chapter, and Kenny Yeo, Associate Director, Global Security Advisory and Head of Asia-Pacific Cybersecurity Practice for Frost & Sullivan. Gentlemen, welcome to Podcast for Future CIO. Thanks for having Trust. us. Now, uh, Steve, let's do a quick recap of last year. What's different about the survey this year?
1: I think our survey is still highlighting that um, certain key security concerns have still persist on in Singapore. Uh, this includes um, data exfiltration, ransomware and um, batch systems as the top three concerns now. No thanks to the many successful ransomware attacks and hefty penalties paid, either for ransom or in terms of regulatory fines, as regulatory framework gets increasingly strict. Uh, with tough penalties, as well as how breaches have affected the company's future customer prospects and future revenue. And I'm certain that I'm not alone when I say that CISOs, based on our survey, are predominantly concerned with also three major trends. First, the increasingly sophisticated trend landscape, which we have seen that over recent years, especially between 2020 and 2021, with ransomware becoming even more advanced this year, stealthier, and evolving into not just double extortion attacks, but triple extortion attacks as well as channeling resources more upstream in the supply chain. Having supply, software supply chain attacks a lot more this year making it harder to defend against. Next, the acceleration to remote work from home as the future of work and cloud due to the pandemic. It has definitely continues to increase the attack surface. Our survey results have indicated that 37% of organizations surveyed are focusing on IT operations to maintain business operations for remote workforce as the main strategy, followed by focus on cybersecurity to better protect organization from attacks, following closely at 31%. Finally, the ongoing journey towards industry form if anything else, the pandemic has taught us an important lesson that you need to better automate where you can, and therefore this acceleration has picked up pace over these two years as well. And It entails a more integrated supply chain and uh, increased convergence of IT and OT, IoT and 5G. This also meant further enlargement of that attack surface again and requires more due diligence to take place in the risk-optimal approach, from security by design all the way to zero trust to assume bridge principles. Compounding these major trends. And corresponding challenges I mentioned earlier is the difficulty in recruiting and retaining good staff. I think many CISOs are facing manpower shortage challenges in various degrees. There's a need to best source, outsource when necessary, keeping a close watch on potential supply chain and concentration risks with third parties.
0: Kenny, are the points that are raised by Stephen reflective of the conditions outside of Singapore as well?
1: Definitely. I think
0: what
2: Stephen mentioned about the entire shift to work from home, the entire shift to digital and digital engagement, which leads to increasing cloud, increasing digital transformation. That's something that we see led by Singapore in the Southeast Asia region, but definitely something that is across the broader Southeast Asia and APAC as well. I think you and I and everybody listening in all can appreciate that uh, life has changed dramatically. We no longer can meet. We have a lot of restrictions in the past year, and that has meant that organizations have had to change the way that they deal with customers, deal with users, and deal with cybersecurity as well. So
0: Stephen, you mentioned that the, some of the challenges that the CISOs face, like uh, talent becoming an issue. What about from the CISO perspective in himself or herself? Has the expectations on the CISO changed in terms of uh, what expertise or experiences that the, the executive brings to the table?
1: In terms of the expectations of the CISO, definitely there is an increasing recognition that um, cybersecurity is a very key element of the enterprise risk. As we have seen in our survey, 71% of respondents have indicated that senior management is more concerned with cyber risk issues, whereas 28% indicated perception of cybersecurity have remained the same, and 1% less concerned with cyber risk issues. So we have seen increased concern at the board and uh, C-suite level, that has definitely elevated the importance of the CISO role, in particularly with uh, increased cyber and uh, regulatory risk with the changes in the levels of the privacy laws, privacy acts and so forth, and then we have China with the PIPL and so on and so forth. So cybersecurity definitely increasing board conversation and it is treated more as a key business enabler or a differentiator nowadays. Unlike previously, it is very much seen as more of a support and a call center. It has increasingly being seen as a business enabler. And truth of the matter is that is cybersecurity normal of assume breach is about inevitably getting breached but disrupting the attack in a timely manner or preventing significant business impact. So the CISO is critical in bringing up this awareness to the board And I think even the bot themselves, they are also themselves aware after looking at all the news articles about some breaches happening in major companies worldwide that no matter whether you're big or small companies, you get breached. But what is key? In terms of encountering a bridge, is that you are able to sustain business resilience, ensure that the bridge can be timely, contained, detect fast, contain fast, recover fast to minimize any business impact. The CISO is increasingly moving towards strategically supporting cybersecurity, not just at the tactical or operational support area. Cybersecurity strategies, entire suite of multi-year master plans are being approved at the board level. And um, projects that achieve their aim is given uh, more resources so to ensure that they they can't be seen the competition so in the circle we believe in optimizing risk or we don't believe in overspending on cyber security so there is no hundred percent security and therefore as a business you need to take some risk but how much risk to take depend on good governance and that entails maximizing business benefits yet optimizing uh, risk and resources what that means is you look at the benefits that moving to the cloud brings and you look at the risk what kind of controls can you put in place and what is the residual risk that you are willing to accept and then move from there so security by design is an important Principle to ensure that this is done correct because we have seen cloud service providers, cloud uh, VMs that have been spin up, uh, the buckets that have been spin up being breached simply because they were not um, secure enough. We have seen during COVID, during the pandemic, folks going to the cloud. Uh, because they haven't been on it. So, in my company, we have been on 0365 um, for the longest period of time. So, collaboration platforms are there. We have done all the proper assessment and so forth. So, that's fine. But for folks that are rushing to the cloud because their VPN cannot sustain the load, they suddenly realize that they cannot be physically at their offices and they rush in without a clear and proper risk assessment, without proper security by design and putting security as the top. Uh, many of them end up encountering breaches where, for instance, uh, multi factor authentication was not put in place and uh, account takeover happened happen and result in um, fraudulent transactions and stuff
0: like that. Now Kenny, uh, can you cite any strengths and weaknesses as far as how Singapore organizations are responding or treating cyber threat these days?
2: Well, I think one of the good things of Singapore, especially when you look at it from a regional perspective, Singapore has a very active and mature regulatory environment. So when you look at it from a region, AIPAC perspective and Southeast Asian perspective, uh, Singapore is often seen as a a benchmark for other countries to really look at as they think about their own regulation. Progressive regulation is good in the sense that it really forces organizations to up their game in that way. Singapore has been quite progressive in regulation even new technology like cloud and cybersecurity. The observation we see is that, so you asked about the strengths of Singapore, larger enterprises in Singapore really are quite forward and also quite mature in the way that they comply and meet regulatory requirements. Larger organizations like, you know, Steven is representing a large organization, right? So they are typically quite well-versed in cybersecurity and managing the risk very well. The weakness, which I feel is still there in Singapore and region is around the small and medium businesses. Now, in any country, Uh, based on our analysis, we're looking at 95 plus percent of companies are actually small and mid-sized. They make up a majority of our economy, even though they may not be as famous as large, big brands uh, around the region, right? But these are the companies that are the ones that are most at risk, in my opinion, because very often they don't have the awareness, they don't have the resources, they really just rely on whatever they have. We always hear of some large or medium-sized organizations that are famous in brand name, but when you dig below the covers, you see that they are just relying on very basic antivirus. They are relying on outsourced IT contractors to handle their cybersecurity. They are not thinking about cybersecurity in their management meetings. So this kind of awareness, this kind of management buy-in, that's something I feel that can still
0: be improved in Singapore and in region. Steven, I'm looking at the survey data points right now. One of the slides talks about information security, cannot simply focus on technology. Security practices needs to be in place. If you look at the market in Singapore right now, the members of ISACA, where would you say we're relatively mature? If you had to pick one, where are Singapore CISO practices relatively mature on par with, say, best in the U.S. or or Europe? And where are we weak at, uh, which area should be looking at to improve?
1: Definitely, we have to go beyond technology. Like I said, it's a bottomless pit if you keep pumping in technology. How many endpoint solutions do you want to put in a single endpoint? There is no one single endpoint that can fix all problems. There are no silver bullets. So how to know how many endpoint solutions are required? What iSACA considers as the most important piece, which is the uh, risk governance, right? Private security is essentially about good risk governance. It's about optimizing risk. And that is the part which I think different organizations are at different maturity levels for that some organizations the more mature ones they would have very strong uh, governance process in place technology is enabling the process of governance it is not the ends but it's the means and there are companies in locally that manage to do that, there are also companies that are not doing that as well. So that this focus on um, governance is very important, right? And as we have seen in the survey itself, it is among the top three in addition to that will be the cybersecurity uh, awareness program as well as detection and response. These are the areas which are of key focus. And I would say Singapore is definitely not doing too badly. It has organizations. It has the under with, with the public-private partnership. I mean, the government itself it is, uh, it has, um, collaborated in apec wide exercises such as the Asia-Pacific CERT drill, AP drills. There is also the ASEAN CERT drill, cyber security, incident response drills. And um, there are also, um, war games and, uh, tabletop exercises that's conducted at either the national level or sectorial level. We are also looking at as the threat landscape evolves is that the instant response has to become a job. Kenny pointed out earlier SMEs, if they happen not to be at that high level of maturity, uh, they're more vulnerable. And the challenge for us nowadays with increased supply chain interconnectivity, with supply chain 4.0 and so forth, a mature organization with the trust relationship with its suppliers can end up being vulnerable, the hackers will target the soft spots and use those soft spots to then laterally uh, uh, as a launching pad to hop into the uh, more critical environments. Incident response has to be agile and consider the failures of our smaller, less mature uh, companies in your supply chain and then be able to refine your playbooks and handle those in the incidents adequately.
0: Now, Kenny, if you look at other markets, is there still a need for government involvement in terms of encouraging the further enhancement of cybersecurity practices in the local market?
2: The short answer is yes. We would love to have the situation where businesses are very cyber aware of the risk and therefore will put in controls and processes in place on their own. And the sad reality is, is that uh, most organizations will not do that voluntarily. So that's where the regulatory framework is very, very important. When you look at cybersecurity as an overall market, we always see that the regulation is the biggest single contributor to the growth of the cybersecurity industry in-country. We are using Singapore as an example today. Singapore has a very firm uh, regulatory environment, has very st- specific regulatory requirements. Critical infrastructure, for example, has something very specific. Other businesses have some others as well. And that's leading to these organizations putting in effort. For me, and to exceed those particular regulatory requirements. Now, the problem is if you don't have those regulatory uh, frameworks in place, then leaving it to private sector would mean that not every organization will be as proactive. And that's something that we see from across the region. You don't have to look too far. Many countries, many private organizations just do not uh, really put in that particular effort because they they feel that they have other priorities. Now, regulatory is always one side of a seesaw, if you will. As you increase regulatory requirements, you also make the cost of doing business more and more onerous because the business owner will have to put in more controls, put in more processes, and that all costs money. It is a balancing act that every country has to do. How much do we put in more and more regulatory framework? How would that impact businesses and how they are able to run? In my view, I think Singapore has done a relatively good job because of the way it has balanced that. Singapore is one the largest single market for cybersecurity in Southeast Asia. It is still seen as a good standard for the region. So in that aspect, I see that it has been successful in that balancing act.
1: When we talk about risk, uh, there is always a need for alignment from enterprise risk, where c- cybersecurity risk are one key pillar of that and then uh, translate that downwards to ensure that there is alignment with um, IT risk and operational risk. And different members of the CISO office will have different roles to play. Some mm-hmm. are taking care of, for instance, um, different security metrics. Let's say the type of attacks that you are receiving from the, your IDS, or the number of vulnerabilities that have gone unresolved within a specific period of time, the number of critical vulnerabilities that have gone unresolved. This information, you need your team to be able to collate and then subsequently translate that into whether they transform that into key risk indicators. So the key risk indicators are the ones that at the board level or at the senior management level, they will look at because these key risk indicators are translated based on uh, the kind of enterprise risk appetite and your cyber risk appetite. For instance, with the pandemic itself, do you still stick to this set of key risk indicators or are you evolving them? Do you want to consider if you are allowing people to work from home, is there any risk from their networks? Uh, coming out with some measurement of those endpoints that are in the uh, home network, the security of the endpoints become even more important during the COVID situation. We always say it takes a village to raise a child. So cybersecurity is the same, and you need different people to play different roles to ensure that risk is properly reported upwards to the board itself.
0: Kenny, do you have anything to add to that? I just wanted to reiterate that
2: sometimes the senior management still doesn't look at cyber risk as a legitimate business risk. Sometimes just farm it out to the IT or the CIO or the CISO team as something technical that needs to be solved. So I think uh, this is definitely a very, very important point to reiterate. Cyber risk is really a business risk. So I think it's really important members of ISACA are very specific to try to improve the posture of their organization, and we see that this is one of the ways, right? You constantly keeping the management team updated, constantly briefing them quarterly or more often to make sure that they are understanding the risks involved and incorporating that into their own broader business risk management. So I think that's always the case, right? It has to be uh, led by the top and led by senior
0: management. What should the CISO focus on in, in 2022 from a functional perspective and from an executive level? The CISO has
1: to focus on a few key areas. Definitely, the cyber risk itself. You have to look at it from the strategic, tactical, and operational level. But it all goes back to um, the kind of threat landscape we are looking at. I have shared earlier as well, and we discussed this, um, there's increasing it OT convergence, there's acceleration in the industry 4.0 and automation, more RPA and so forth. RPA also has its risk, that's why you need RPA governance. There will likely be more focus attacks on IoT and IoT. There will be increasingly more attacks to third parties, uh, suppliers, with increasing uh, software supply chain attacks, like what happened with in the case of SolarWinds and of last year and Kaseya. There's increased um, threats to OT, we have seen that happen the colonial pipeline and so forth. So taking all these inputs, the CISO must be able to relate and keep abreast and understand the current landscape because they are bosses the board, the senior management is is going to read the papers. They they are going to be asked questions even by the board itself. What has happened to Colonial Pipeline? Is it going to happen to us? What has happened to Winds? Is it going to happen to us? And the CISO must come up with a strategy, a plan, a multi-year plan to be able to agilely tackle these new threats to ensure that the business risk appetite is being uh, achieved. Whatever security posture, you are able to meet that kind of business risk appetite. As what Kenny has uh, also, we powder the pond. It is very important to have that alignment between business risk, IT risk, and operational risk. And CISOs are increasingly taking care of not just the IT aspect, but also the OT aspect. I mean, if you look at it this way, if you have to take your leave to work, take the leave to work, the leave is like OT. And if you are setting up a smart building, your intelligent building management system, all these are vulnerable to attacks. And you are putting your lives lives at stake. So for operational Mm -hmm. technology, safety is paramount. And you need to look at how all these can be secured. so as CISOs you should not just be looking at a single set of standards like uh, for IT IT security standards but you should also looking at the OT side of things OT security standards and eventually you need to look at cyber physical threats the hybrid kind of environment where you have blended attacks and eventually you may even need to look at aggregated uh, monitoring systems where IT, OT as well as physical monitoring of events is correlated, are correlated into a single platform because one can result in another. We have seen in recent news how uh, drones have been flown to attempt to uh, disrupt power plants, Mm. right? Disrupt power plants. Those are physical to cyber kind of blended attacks. And if you don't have this kind of correlation with uh, oversight across all three realms, you will not know where the threat is coming from. You suddenly see a disruption in the network, but do you know that disruption is because of the drone that say uh, jams an access point, carrying a jammer that up close to an access point and jams it, or it could be something else. Um, I would say the CISO has to keep relevant and to be able to keep relevant, he needs to be part of the community, which is where um, ISACA comes in. Joining a community like ISACA will help you keep abreast of what is the Uh, latest and the newest tracks and what are the best practices out there and stay relevant to the management
0: and board. staying relevant i think that is a key message that needs to be absorbed and uh, you know become part of our our, uh, culture and just the way we work now kenny last question to you so what should singapore enterprises be doing to get ready for the unknown of cybersecurity in 2022
2: I think we need to go away from thinking of cybersecurity as a technology thing. Very often, uh, especially when you look at it from the vendor, the service provider community, it sounds as if a magical solution or mag- magical security control would solve your problems overnight. I think it's very much the case, you know, something that Stephen has definitely mentioned many, many times today as well. And also in our study, we know that cybersecurity is a team sport. Cybersecurity is something that crosses holistically across the entire 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 enterprise so I I would just summarize it into three key points right so what should Singapore enterprises do for 2022 to think about it number one what we mentioned about management teams make sure there is a cyber literacy make sure the management teams who are not involved in CIO and CISO roles talking about finance the CEO uh, and others how do they understand the issues coming up from cyber and cybersecurity. How do we make sure that they understand that uh, cybersecurity is a business risk and not something that is just farmed out to the IT That's number one. Number two, very important, how do we make sure that uh, security awareness is something that covers the entire operations from the small senior management and the board all the way to the line staff. How do we make sure that there's a systematic program to make sure everybody is kept up to date, everybody is aware of what to do and how to identify, let's say, phishing emails and others. So a, a concerted program across the entire organization for security awareness. And number three, Steven mentioned this as a CISO as well. How do we make sure there's cyber resilience? Are you conducting cyber drill? Do people know uh, what the process is? should something happen. Make sure that that's drill. Make sure that practice runs for that because nothing really beats having to go through that exercise. You know, everybody says that they know the process until they have to simulate stim- the process. So it's very important to have that. So number one, make sure there is cyber literacy, right? And especially at the senior level. Number two, create a cyber security awareness program. And number three, conduct those cyber drills to make sure everybody's practiced.
0: Thank you for that, Kenny. Stephen, anything else to add to those three points from, uh, from Kenny? I think definitely. Those are um,
1: great points. Um, And I I just want to um, add on what I've shared earlier as well, that um, this assumed bridge um, mindset uh, is important for those organizations that have not yet got bought in or converted to this mindset. They have to do so. So uh, it is not about asking how secure are we? It's it's about asking um, how well are we set up in terms of our posture to meet our risk appetite, right? Mm. assume bridge approach it goes beyond security by design it's about assuming you don't trust your supplier network you don't trust your own network so you are constantly hunting for threats in your environment right and that is also um where the active cyber defense approach come into play where there is increased focus on um, threat hunting um cyber threat intelligence so i shared earlier about communities like isaq itself you need to have Greater community collaboration. You need to subscribe to cyber threat intelligence to be able to be aware of what are the latest um, tactics, techniques, and procedures of hackers. Um, the indicators of compromise, so that you are able to detect them early when they're in the network. Uh, one more point I would like to make, uh, just to add on, is that security again is a continuous process. We talk about security by design, but it is really a continuous process, and it should be uh, factored in as well. Security posture decays if if efforts are just simply fire. And forget like outsourcing security and there are there are companies that security as if i outsource and especially with your shadow i.t right mm-hmm. uh, folks who are not very well um, converse uh, with um, cyber, not very well versed with cybersecurity, that I can just outsource this faster, it's, it's slower in-house. Why don't I just outsource and, and get somebody to do it, set up this system and so forth, fire and forget. But eventually security posture will deteriorate. And if it's not properly maintained, things like uh, simple things like open accounts and so forth, people leaving the company and the account doesn't get removed if, if you don't have that oversight. So governance is very important. And with that increased supply chain and even cloud service providers we are concerned with concentration risk as more and more companies are going on to the cloud it's important to we have seen an uptick in uh, multi-cloud strategies i think kenny, kenny can attest to that in our surveys, we see uh, more folks are on multi-cloud and that helps relieve uh, concentration risk you relying on a single cloud vendor because cloud service will have also been disrupted before due to either uh, operational human errors or cyber attacks Right, So that business resilience plans to um, avoid concentration risk is due to outage in a single vendor has also become very important. I think one final point, I think that uh, enterprises should also channel less focus on cyber insurance. You may be surprised that I say that because I think in the last few years, a lot of people have been talking about cyber insurance, and uh, but the insurance premiums have become uh, exorbitant and it changes almost like every other day and every other week. And the reason for that is because there are so many ransomware breaches out there and insurance companies have a hard time assessing, hard time also paying right, the coverage. Therefore, limits on the coverage, uh, there are increasingly more constraints on those coverage and hackers, they have come up. like. Right, Review Ransomware Gang has come up to say that, um, in fact, they like companies that have subscribed to cyber insurance because they are guaranteed, almost guaranteed a payment. After all, this is financial gain. (laughs) Financial gain. gain. As the premiums are growing increasingly volatile and so and these insurance companies become increasingly complicated, it's it's too important to go back to first principles and ensure that the security posture is well maintained than simply expect um, payouts from insurance companies.
0: Kenny, Steven, thank you very much for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. That was Steven Sim, President ISACA Singapore Chapter and Kenny Yeo, Associate Director, Global Security Advisory and Head of Asia Pacific Cybersecurity Practice at Frost and Sullivan on the topic of what we can learn from Singapore's cyber readiness posture. You are listening into Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for our free weekly newsletter, so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.